Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. The volume. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit wagering and eligibility restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? It's me, John Middlecoff, 3Now Podcast, live here at the Combine, and uh, we've had a busy day. We have beaten the bushes. We made sure to get all of our friends and family on this podcast. Uh, and, and we have interviews that will come out over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, with guy Andy Reid. You might have heard of him. Brett Veach is GM. Jason Light, who signed Tom Brady, won a Super Bowl. Howie Roseman, Big Dom, he even makes an appearance. You might even be able to hear him on the podcast. Definitely see him on the video. Did a lot of talking with Big Dom today, so it's it's been fun. On this podcast, though, today, Albert Breer. We had a we had a long talk with Breer, who I think knows every guy in the NFL, coach, GM, assistant coach. I swear to God, every time I looked, he was talking to someone. Dude is dialed in, so uh, <clears throat> wanted to get him talking about football and um, basically everything that's going on in the combine. So we'll have him for a long, long talk today, and uh, who, who knows what tomorrow may bring. I'm obviously a little under the weather. But I battled. I even got an IV to my house a couple weeks or a couple days ago because I was like, I cannot be sick at this combine, and uh, it helped out a little bit because I was I was struggling a couple days ago. But under no circumstances was were we not going to make this happen, and we did make it happen in a big freaking way. So it's a good twenty four hours here for the volume and three and out podcast. But before we dive into everything football, here is what I need you to do: game time, download the app who happens to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. Listen, college, pro, concerts, comedy shows. I asked Brett Veach, I said, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? He's like, I haven't even met Taylor Swift yet. He never even answered the question, but everyone has a favorite Taylor Swift song. And if you want to go see Taylor Swift, just like if you want to go see anybody, you just look on game time. Are they coming to your area? Are they playing in a venue near you? And if they are, buy a pair of tickets. Promo code JOHN. 
J-O-H-N. J-O-H-N. Save $20. Game time. Number one ticketing app. Not just on this podcast, but right now in America, they're the best. So download that game time app. And, uh, and yeah, so before we dive into Breer, I'm telling you this combine, it's just a unique NFL event where everyone's relaxed. You get coaches and GMs. I mean, I saw Howie Roseman. They just had like the, the worst end of the season humanly possible. He's in a good mood. Andy Reid, Super Bowl champ, good mood. Adam Peters, number two pick, good mood. Every, every guy. Even Brian Dayball, I saw him today, which I was ready to get yelled at. I was buckled up. I'm like, here, I'm going to take it. We're in the elevator together. And he just gave me a what's up. But I, I thought I was going to – even he was in a good mood. Everyone's in a good mood here. It's the best. So let's dive into Albert Breer. Fire the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. A much bigger range than most grills. It's got a full grate sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Utilize the smoke boost setting to intensify that smoky flavor. Direct flame cooking creates searing, crisping, and browning. Food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You'll cook on two levels at the same time so you can make enough for everyone then clean up quick with the pull and clean grease and ash management system at the front of the grill. Cook confidently with intuitive digital controls at the grill and enjoy the sleek, easy-to-use surface. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses Get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Here with, I don't even know what to call him. I mean, here's what I do know. This man, I would venture to guess every head coach, every GM in your cell phone, Albert Breer. Do you? Uh, Yeah, I'd say probably, yeah. And, and former coaches, former GMs. Yeah. I mean, that, how do you keep track of everybody? Um, I mean, it's just building relationships over years. And I, I think it's as much as anything else. Like, I, I always tell younger people, like, I view all these as 30-year relationships. doesn't mean you're not going to have bumps with people. Obviously, our jobs are going to, you know, conflict with one another sometimes, like me and the football people. But, um, you know, it's just years of doing it. You know what I mean? Like, and it's getting to know people when they're young. And it's... You know, it's 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 knowing Gerard Mayo when he was a player, knowing Kevin O'Connell when he was a player, knowing Sean McVay when he's a quality control assistant, knowing Kyle Shanahan when he was a receivers coach, and it's just you have enough of those, like, and you get to know them when they're younger, and they come. It's just it, the number the number's more manageable because it happens over time. I've told Coward this, and I, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here. I think you give some of the best interviews because your knowledge. You know, a lot of people in, in your profession, which, again, I don't even truly know what you what you consider yourself, but a lot of it gets agent-driven. I, I know yeah. you know agents, but, like, when you know the coaches and the GMs, 
you can give the balanced perspective, which, let's face it, can be kind of rare sometimes. Yeah. It's all coming from one side. And when you can mix the two, you kind of understand why something happens. Yeah, and I, and I think like one of, the, one of the keys when it comes to that is just making sure that there's always an open line of communication. Whoever wants to get a hold of you can get a hold of you. And I, I, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said, like, I don't deal with angry phone calls from people sometimes. But What's the angriest one you've ever gotten? I mean, Belichick ever call you? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it would have been Bill, though. I mean, like, I don't think Bill would have been the angriest. I, huh. Owner? I've had owners really pissed at me, yes. I've had, I've had league office people really pissed at me. Um, I've had agents really pissed at me. I've had coaches really pissed at me. You know, I've had a coach where, and sometimes it happens naturally, too. Like, I mean, like, you know, the end of the year, every year, last th- two, three weeks, it's like, okay, like, there are this team and this team and this team's making a change and you're sort of digging around, okay, is there a curveball or a surprise coming here? And I remember it's probably three years ago, four years ago where there was a curveball coming where I was like, oh, like, whoa, I, I wasn't expecting that one. So I reached out to the, to the coach and, or texted him something like, hey, I don't know if there's like a lot of validity to this, but just so you know, this is what I heard. And he called me and MF'd me and like, oh, I, like, I, like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know where you would hear that. And he was really pissed. And I can understand where, you know, you're, you're pissed at somebody almost, you're not pissed at them. You're pissed at the information is like floating yeah. around out there. And the guy didn't wind up getting fired. But I remember saying to him a couple of weeks later, I was like, wouldn't you rather have me come to you than just freaking put that out there? Yeah. And so like, there's a lot of that sort of stuff that you deal with um, that I think is, you just have to know how to deal with it. And I think another part of it too, like, like you see these people in person. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I see these people in person. I want to be accountable to them, yeah. you know? And I, I, I always want to make sure that whenever I say something or do something that they think is off, that they have an open line of communication so they can get to me, that's going to help me be more accurate and me be more on base when I... And, and honestly, that's why like the, the, all like the aggregation pisses me off. Yeah. Because it's like, I, I have to answer for myself. Like, I don't want to answer for someone what someone like... See, you, you old school guys hate that, huh? It's Even not, though it's no, good for I, your business. I, 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 no, I like the I like the ones that I like the ones that are accurate, right? Like I'm fine with if you're because you're promoting my content. It's when it's when I go on like a show and give an opinion, and then someone turns it into a report. Yeah, which is like it's just that type of stuff. You're like, on with Colin talking well, about fields. I'm, fields traded. You're like, I yeah. Didn't say that. Well, now it's yeah, and it's like they're misconstruing what you're saying to try to get engagement which is all that they care about. And like, so now all of a sudden it's Breer said this and it's like, well, I didn't say that. So now I have to answer for something I didn't even say. And so that's the stuff that can get a little frustrating because in general, there's this vacuum for information out there and everybody, all these people want to continuously fill it. And sometimes there's not a lot of information out there and so they'll take something someone says to fill the vacuum and uh yeah so i didn't want to turn this into a grievance session or anything else but yeah like that's what you deal with sometimes is like and i and i do think like it's i mean look like i i think it's i think it's important that you are able to handle those those conversations with people and i always give it you got to take it yeah and i and i I always think okay one thing one thing like that a lot of people in our business could learn is empathy and like I always try to like understand what the guy on the other side of the table, what his job is, right? Like, so whether it's a head coach, an assistant coach, a GM, a scout, um, an agent, whoever it is, like, I always try to have like a good handle on how everybody's going to react to what I'm, what I'm reporting. Sometimes it has to be reported regardless, but like, I, I think it's important to understand like, like, Hey, like this is why this person couldn't give me this information or this is why this person had to be guarded. And I always tell them, I'm like, don't be afraid to say to me, like, if you can't help me on something or there's, don't, don't be afraid to say it to me. I'd rather have you do that than like mislead to me or lie to me. Like, like if you can't give me the information, just freaking tell me it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think that that's like an important part of like the way I do my job too, is just trying to be empathetic and understanding other people's jobs. Well, I saw you talking to GM's coaches. You think you've already been lied to today? <laughs> I... I make it my goal to be lied to less and less every year. I'll put it that way. But I think a big, a big part of that is like, will guy just blatantly lie to you? No, I, I like. I honestly don't think that happens that often. I, I, I know, like, so like during the draft, for example, right? 
So people think like, oh yeah, like well, why would that person tell you who they're picking? They don't. I'm a lot of times what I'm doing is I'm basically creating like an aggregate of all the information that I'm building up, and it's okay. So this team is picking fifth, so it's their job to know what the team at two and three and four are doing. Yeah. So they're digging for that. And so if I call the team at five and six and seven and they're all saying the same thing about, you know, what the team at three might do, I might say, well, there's a lot of noise out there that this team might do that. I'm not like going to these teams and saying, who are you picking? Yeah. I know what sort of answer that's going to get. And so I, I think a lot of it's just understanding like, you know, again, like what they can and can't answer. And it's, it's not that you aren't going to ask the question, but like you yeah, having the sorts of relationships with people too, where they know you're not going to burn them is really important and not getting lied to. So I don't know. Like, I think most of the people I talk to are generally pretty honest with me. And, uh, this whole idea that, you know, like the character stuff kills me too. Cause like this time of year, it's like, you know, it's like these teams aren't lying to knock someone down the board. No. Like, and I, and, and, and the I, media can be so disingenuous. That's so this stupid. is their job, it's and then just, it comes up a couple years later. And it's like we well, didn't like, know this. No, they told. That's you. why I hate the word leak. I right? agree. So I had the S two scores last year, and I had all of them, and um, I got them because there are people I have relationships with, and it was good context. And um, look, I made the decision. I'm not criticizing anybody else's decision. I made the decision to put a couple of them out there, but only a couple because I didn't think it was fair to some of the kids that hey, like. Here's a really low score. CJ not one of them then? CJ was one of them. I had CJ's score. And um, so... What I'm saying, did you put his I, out? I, I put, no, I put Bryce Young's out and Will Levis's out. Both of them scored really high. I think I think, I think Bryce had like a 98 and, and Levis had like a 93 or something like that, whatever the scale is. Yeah. And... Um, Purdy was like 150. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I... Like, I I put those out there because I thought, like, this is a good context and it's not hurting the kid. And so... You know, but I didn't get those scores because someone leaked them to me. I got those scores through reporting and through relationships. It's like there's this perception, and you'll see reporters do it. They'll call it a leak when it's not their reporting, but they'll never call it a leak when it's their reporting. You know what I mean? Like, so um, a lot of times that stuff, you get it through good reporting, through your network of people that you talk to, that you trust. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that stuff that's just, again, like those, like all of it's a factor. I mean, you know, they say you're trying to kill a kid if, you know, you're saying, hey, like, there's a character issue here, he might fall. Well, that's relevant to their draft stock, which is what we're covering, right? So I go back to 2020. It's like Damon Arnett. There were a ton of character flags on Damon Was Arnett. Was he arrested with meth? Yeah. <laughs> and he's been out of the league for a couple of years. That was a bad pick. I mean, answer this for me, John. How often, when you hear a guy, there's a character issue with a guy coming out, how often is it correct? Almost always. I would say 99. And sometimes character, obviously, it's like there's questions with Caleb. It right. doesn't mean he's a bad character guy. There are just questions. No, and then there are the Damon Arnett guys that have been legitimate trouble. Like there's different levels yeah, but, of it. But the NFL people just use the word character right, to kind of sum up everything off the field. These are seven-figure decisions. For sure. You know, so <laughs> You're going to depend would, on these guys why to wouldn't win. You, why wouldn't you want to know that? You'd 100% want to know that. Like, I mean, you know, Caleb and uh, – I, you know, as I've dug around Caleb, it's like, okay, like, so like, the dad's an issue. Like, I mean, and the dad's something you have to sort through. But, like, as I, as I kind of continue to dig into it, you know, it's like his teammates love him and his coaches love him. And that's going to, and, and I know, like, that's that important, relevant, that's important, relevant information too, because that's going to go a long way with the NFL teams. And, I mean, ultimately, it's probably only going to matter to one, <laughs> you know, in the end, because he's probably not going to be be uh, no. on the board for more than one pick but um but yeah i mean like that stuff's all that stuff always matters. let's talk about him i, I saw yeah. you you know ryan poles making the rounds yep it's probably one of the biggest stories in the nfl uh just your overall take on where that stands with everything yeah so i think we've gotten to the point with caleb williams where i i sort of view it like tw like in 12 and 21 and you know to kind of the to, to to rewind a little bit like you know, going back to the summer, I make calls on all these guys, right? And going into the season, I'll do a, you know, like, hey, here are eight or ten or twelve quarterbacks to look at. I think it's a really good, it's a good exercise for me to and do. You always get quotes from scouts and guys. Yeah, that and, I, and, I, and I'll go to like Trent Dilfer and to, yeah. to Jordan Palmer, some of these guys who've been around them since they were teenagers, and um, it's it's a good exercise for me because it kind of like it gets me ahead a little bit, like, and then I have an idea of what I'm going to be looking for in the college season when I want to sit down and watch a college game. Like, I might make a point. 
you know, this year I might have made a point to watch a North Carolina game. Yeah, I, I, did, have, I did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so you may, so knowing that stuff's important, or even like further down the line, Tulane, like who had Michael Pratt. So, um, the stuff I heard in the summer was generational, like that Elway, Manning, Lawrence Luck. Now, not saying he's going to get there, but that tier of prospect, like Caleb's on that tier, and. Um, I think it was, it was either Trent or Jordan said to me, one of them said to me on the record, I can't wait for everybody to start tearing this kid down. Well, it's natural. I, I can't wait for any, and he's, he's like, it's going to happen. And I remember in 12 covering Luck and how Luck was seen as just, NFL, every NFL player, uh, evaluator you talk to is like, this kid is just about a perfect quarterback prospect, right? Like, yeah. And yet there's two months between the combine and the draft. And Arm so, strength, you know. So what happens? Like by the, by the end of it, it's like, oh, Robert Griffin's like basically even <laughs> – the teams didn't see no. it that way, and there was never any question who the Colts were taking. And the same thing happened with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. It's like, whoa, like, well, like, look at Zach Wilson's pro day. And it, so I think the same thing is sort of happening now. And I think the same thing will continue to happen over the next couple of months. But I think the biggest questions Caleb have to, has to answer is about what's around him. But Does that include, like, no agent and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think that that – so that matters, but only because the dad is perceived as a question guy. Mark. So it's like, okay, so you have the dad who some people think has been overbearing or playing like this huge role. And I, I don't know the dad, so I, fair or not. Like I know people just, in Oklahoma, they thought. Yeah, yeah, fair but he was an 18 year old kid. Fair or not, that's out there, right? Yeah. So you have all of that. And then it's really easy to take that and say, okay, so the dad who's really involved and now no agent, like, does that, you add the two together. So that's what teams have to dig through with him, you know, it's like, all right, like how big a figure is the dad going to be when he gets here? Is like all the extra stuff is that coming with him? And um, but like what you do here, and you know, I I know a couple of guys who coach at SC and all of that. Like the coaches love him, the players love him, and that's the stuff that usually overrides everything. Like Mahomes has a lot going on around him, but he does such a good job of compartmentalizing incredible. it. You know what I mean? Like incredible. And so I think. The hope is, like, like, where you want to get to, I think, with Caleb, where these teams are trying to get to with Caleb, is a point where it's like, okay, like, yeah, like, there's stuff, but he's compartmentalized it. I think when we use Mahomes as an example, Coach Reed was here earlier. He's pretty unique. You know, yep. it's like having parents that are very stable. So every time Mahomes comes to the facility, it's a very stable place. Yeah. Where some of these guys, they got a lot going on outside. And look at Caleb this year. The team was all over the map. Yeah. So it can kind of be overwhelming. You're young money the fame to me the question with Caleb is just in the big picture they're going to leave here I'm sure with standing offers for the pick yep. for Justin Fields and then like they know that they can just draft him but they, they're going to have a lot going on yep for Ryan to make a decision which you could argue they maybe have already made yeah you, I mean I don't think it doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't serve Ryan or the Bears to come here and tell them they've made up their mind no, I'm, it, I'm sure he's ser- talking to everyone about it everything. serves the Bears to have an idea of what they're going to do because they are so deep in the process. They've done a ton of background work on Caleb Williams. They know now they'll have to sit down with him here and go through that part of the process and all that different stuff. But I mean, you worked in this 90% of the work is done and they, so it'd be silly not to think that they have it in the back. They they have the plan. Here's probably what we're going to do, but. And what do you think that is? I think they, I think it's to draft Caleb and trade Justin probably. Um, I think. Can I make sure I put I think that's what it is. I don't know. So would that trade probably but, happen before March 11? Yeah, and I think that that's – and that's something like that, that that Ryan was actually pretty upfront with the Chicago media about I saw today. That. It was, yeah. He said something along the lines of – and that makes sense because you trade him before free agency, it's the best for the kid, obviously, because he gets closure, but it's also the best for the team because that's when you're going to have your most suitors. Like a month from now, six weeks from now – there are going to be fewer teams with a quarterback need than there are right now. So when does it make sense to trade the guy when you have the most suitors, which is right now? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that they wind up trading him maybe for a day two pick and a day three pick. And, um, you know, like, and then I think they, I think, you know, Caleb's the guy. And that's, again, like, that's my own feeling on it. But it doesn't serve Ryan Poles to sit here and say to the world, we made up our mind. It serves him to say, we still don't know what we're going to do, for sure. So everybody comes to him, and he has a full a full view of everything. And so he has a full view of what teams are willing to offer for the number one pick. He also has a full view of what teams are willing to give him for Justin Fields. You know, let's talk about the number two team, Washington. Who yeah. I've known Adam since I was a graduate assistant at Fresno State. He's just 
he's a pretty unique guy because he's been a part of all these teams, but he's kind of low-key. Yeah, he is. You know, he's not some big front-runner media guy that way, mm-hmm. even though he kind of looks like it with the show hair. I don't know Dan Quinn. Watch him from outside. Clearly his positive energy and when he, when yeah, he gets I mean, the right coordinator. Yeah. What's your just initial thoughts on that pairing and just where they stand, um, given what they've gone through for a long yeah, time? Yeah, I mean, I look, like I, there's a lot of like common connections, and I talked to – I talked to um, you know, a couple of people there about it. AP, like he did a lot of like work on DQ, going through the people in San Francisco. You'll remember a lot of those guys were on the staff in Atlanta. Yeah, Kyle and all with, his buddies. With Quinn, yeah. yeah. So Kyle and uh, Michael Fleur was in Atlanta, and you know Mike McDaniel, who you can go to, is in was in Atlanta, and like so they all worked for for DQ and had the context of who he is as a head coach, and so that's a big part of it. I also think. Um, you know, I always said this about like, you know, I, I feel like Quinn's name in the public sphere kind of cooled off a little bit and people would ask me and I said, like, go ask Micah Parsons. Like that's that the, he'll tell you what you need to know. And he was able to adjust his scheme and get the most out of Micah Parsons. That's what, that's what coaching is. Like For sure. he was so How about the got, DBs? got more out of Trayvon Diggs. Like what happened with Bland? Like, <laughs> the, like to have Deron Bland ready to roll the way they did to get more out of Stefan Gilmore in the back end of his career. Uh, Malik Hooker was another one that they completely resurrected, you yeah. know, um, Demarcus Lawrence continues to be productive. You know, their defensive tackles are really good. So, you know, like I, I just think like the idea with, with DQ. He was probably the highest paid coordinator in the league last year, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and you're hiring a guy who has you're hiring a guy who has um I don't know if he's making what Vic was making in in, in uh Miami. A lot but, of coin both of them. Yeah, yeah, but uh but I do think like there's a um you know like I think on one hand he's gonna create an incredible culture, which he did in Atlanta and which he was part of building on the defensive side of the ball in Dallas. And then there's such an emphasis in the way he does things on getting the most out of people and I would tell anybody to go back and look at those Atlanta teams and how many guys had career years when Quinn was there. Like, now some of them are in the prime of their careers. Matt Ryan won an MVP. Julio Jones was the best receiver in football. Um, the offensive line played well with Jake Matthews at left tackle. Uh, you know, Deion Jones was a top-of-the-league middle linebacker. That little running back they had was a stud. Right. Col- both of them, Coleman and Foreman, were both really good players. Um, you yeah, know, I think you could see – I think that's one thing you can see consistently with Quinn is he's maximizing guys. And so um, I think that part of it's going to be really interesting to watch and how they build the team up. And, um, you know, Adams, I mean, you know, Adam, like he, yeah, I mean, like this is a long time coming and he's deserved this shot for a long time. And um, I think the personality mesh is going to be really good. And, um, and yeah, man, like I'm, I'm excited to see what they do at two because I, I think it's, could be a really good incubator for a quarterback. You know, I've gone to a lot of 49er practices over the years and, it's like they've lost a lot of coaches now. And yeah. now Adam, and you never saw a picture of John Lynch the last seven years without Adam standing right next to him. Yeah. Kyle just lost a bunch of other guys again. This year he's still trying to find a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Just thoughts on their situation. You know, Steve Wilkes, I think I was not – I think he was gone, win or lose I think game. he was like – I had – so I had somebody text me um, who's worked for Kyle at the end of the Super Bowl. Like, I don't know, it was like maybe three minutes after this. Texted me, Wilkes is fired after oh. after the timeout. The timeout where have you ever t- seen an offensive coach do that to a defensive where, coach? <laughs> he's, I mean, the, he's the head coach, offensive coordinator, and he calls the timeout for the defensive coach, not because they were running out of time or whatever, because he hated the look. Yeah, and there was funky stuff where it was like I hadn't gone back and looked at it, but somebody said like zero blitz with the corners playing seven yards off the line on third and five. Yeah, <laughs> it was like stuff like that where it was just like, and I think, I think it, it's reflective of like. It's reflective of like Kyle's frustration, where the the defense were like the numbers look good, but you and I both know they it was not the same. They underachieved on defense this year, so there's that, and the amount they've got invested in guys like Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and and Fred Warner, obviously, and Trevarius Ward. So it's that it's not getting the most out of those guys. It's also paying Hargrave a lot of money. Yeah, and I think it's I think the other thing is like it's like, you know, you you have like I it's just. You have like a system that's brought so many guys up from the grassroots level, and like Sala was one of theirs, and D'Amico is one of theirs, and then you look on offense, and you know Mike McDaniel is. There's no guy who's spent more time with Kyle Shanahan over the last you know 20 years than Mike McDaniel has, and underneath him was Mike Lafleur, and even like, Kubiak came in. He was babysitting Kubiak I 20 mean, years ago. So many, <laughs> I'm like so. 
I, I thought the Wilkes hire was interesting when it happened because it was outside of Kyle's comfort zone. And you do wonder to some degree was like, was Kyle never going to get there with Steve Wilkes? Probably you know not. I mean? I mean, like, and I, I, I just think that might have been part of it. One guy got there with pretty quickly is the quarterback. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people have talked about this, the way the Chiefs talked about Brock. Yeah, Coach I, mean, I can Reed, tell you Spags right after the game. Coach, he, I, he told Schrager that he tracked down his number and reached yeah. out to him. Andy spoke about him when, when I had him on. Do you think he kind of gets a raw deal? Everyone just wants to talk shit about it. He's like one of the most incredible stories so in let me history. Ask you, let, me, let me ask this, John. Would we be talking differently about him if he was the 20th pick in the draft? If Trey Lance had done what he was doing, we'd be talking about him like one of the great prospects and hits of all time. We were watching the Super Bowl thing the other night, me and my girlfriend, and she was like, you know, going through Tom Brady's start. She's like, oh, it's kind of like Purdy's, a late-round pick. I'm like, well, the difference, Maria, is he won the Super Bowl. But then I started thinking, like, there actually are some similarities there. I'm trying to find the quote, but, like, yeah, I – I, there are, there are. He just didn't win. Now he, if he had won the Super Bowl, so, that changed his life. So I mean, Purdy was doing great, more. I, I, I had too. I, I had a, you know, I had a, I had a great conversation with Brock over the summer, and it was like, what struck me about him was that he wasn't sore about falling in the draft. Like Brady was sore about falling Pissed. in the draft. Rogers was sore about falling yeah. in the draft. Like Purdy was like, no, I understood it, and then he was like, and I fixed all of these different things as a result of it. So. Like, I actually wound up way better for having gone through that. And he just had such a mature attitude about it. Well, he's a serious cat. Yeah. And, and I, so a couple of other things that, like, I can just tell you anecdotally, like, you know, so I, during my training camp trip, I was with, you know, an old friend of Kyle's, and he said, You understand, Kyle loves Brock, right? And was this like, two years ago or this no, year? No, this was this summer. Yeah. You understand, Kyle loves Brock, right? And I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. He loves Brock. So what do you mean? He goes, I can tell by the way he's calling plays for him, how much he thinks of him. It is totally different than it was. And so, you know, like whatever it was, a few days later, I'm at the Niners and I asked Kyle about it. I said, like, so one of your friends told me this. And he's like smiles. He goes, absolutely. And he was so open about it. You know what I mean? Like that he was calling plays differently for Brock than he had for the quarterbacks he had before in San Francisco. So I think that there's that. And then I would just say the same thing. I know Schrager had the thing. I think after the game, I had Spags in the locker room, and unsolicited, he was like, Brock Purdy is really good. We had to adjust what we were doing. And he said, like, they were mixing coverages a lot early in the game. And he said, Brock was so good at IDing what we were doing, and he was ripping our zones apart. He's like, that's why we went man. He's like, because we could not handle Brock Purdy. And it sounds weird saying that because he's seen as the game manager and everything else, but he's like, the reason we changed what we were doing from a coverage standpoint is because Brock Purdy forced us to. Yeah. And that's, for people who don't know, that's a pretty high compliment for a quarterback. Big time. When you look at these teams that lose Super Bowls, like the Chiefs got their ass kicked by Tampa, but it was understandable. The two tackles were out, and then they yeah. come back and they won a couple since. Yeah. Brady lost some, then come back and win them. 49ers, now they've got two Super Bowls. They had the lead in both of them against a couple legends, and it's like, how many more times are you going to get this opportunity? Yeah. I mean, they're so talented, um, but there's a there's also like a the lions are coming. They didn't lose. I mean, and, it, and it's and it's like so. It's interesting, like the way the models are so different. Like the model that the Niners in is diametrically opposed to the Chiefs, where the Chiefs have all their money spent on the quarterback. Well, the Niners tried to backfire right, in their face. Right. So they have all their money spent on the quarterback, and then like you look at the rest of the roster, and their defense is littered with guys on rookie contracts, really, really good. Like, and Brett Feach has done a great job stocking that Stop, roster. Yeah. Um, you know, putting Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith on the offensive line. And um, so the Chiefs have done a really nice job. But if you look at it, it's like, it, all right, like what's sustaining this is the quarterback. The Niners is obviously the opposite of that, where it's like, all right, we're going to be so loaded around the quarterback. And that doesn't have the 10-year, 15-year shelf life that building around the quarterback does. So can Brock elevate into becoming that kind of guy where if you pay him 50, 55, 60, whatever the the, the, the dollar amount is a year from now can you build around him with that constraint and that's what's hard about it but the Niners it's I mean look like the, they have a lot of players that are really expensive and I thought this was the most incredible thing so I do every year I do this breakdown of the rosters right and um, I do highest cap number last five first round picks how they got their quarterback I do it every year with the final four teams right you know what the Niners highest cap number was last year 
Probably Trent Williams. Yeah. You know what the number was? I would guess in the low 20s. 12 and a half. Yeah. What does that tell you? Well, Prague, friend of the the show a long time ago, genius. Yeah. But, but they push a lot back. But, but they're pushing a lot back, and eventually the bill's going to come due the on that. The Saints dealt it with that Yeah, for a long I mean, time. so the highest, so they had. Well, I looked at looked, $80 million up, dollars they, in his cap numbers they like had, three. They had nine players making $15 million a year or more on their roster, and no one with a cap number over 12 and a half. That's crazy. So, like, what that tells you is eventually that's going to come due. And so I think that's where the clock is ticking. And then I think the question becomes do you ride it out with this group? And then hit like a hard reset in two or three years, or do you gradually start to work guys off the roster and do it that way? Like the Chiefs, right? Like so, the Rams hit the hard reset this year. Niners aren't going to do a hard reset, right? And so the Rams hit, hit a hard reset and they made the playoffs, yeah. right? Like so, but the Rams did were able to do it because they hit on Puka Nakua and Kobe Turner and Byron Young, and like they were able to, they were able to get a lot of like affordable talent on their roster, even though they were carrying I think it was seventy five million dollars in dead money. That's crazy. Which is like a, I mean, a real credit to the Rams program. Well, I think the Niners were one of the lowest at seven with dead money, and five of that was Trey Lance. Right. Right. So you look at this, like the next couple weeks, T. Higgins and Ayuk are two guys that, yeah. you know, one's franchise, the other essentially is. Yeah. But it's like, am I, those teams aren't going to trade the guy for nothing, but it's like, would I trade pick 20 when I can well, just draft a guy at a cheap number? Like, are those, I mean, do you think the, yeah, one I mean, of those two me, guys get me, traded? To me, I think Ayuk is, Ayuk makes sense just because. To get traded? Yeah, because if, it, like, to me, it's like sort of similar to DeForest Buckner, right? Like, so the Niners made the decision a couple of years ago. Yeah. We can't afford to have both Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. It's going to be easier to re-sign Armstead, so we'll re-sign He's cheaper, Armstead. too. Yeah, he's cheaper. I mean, he's like a few million dollars a year cheaper. And um, we hate to, and they hated letting go. Oh, of, I know uh, they they loved him. They love Buck, like right, like. But they made the decision. We just can't afford to have both. And if you look at the roster, like the really expensive guys in that roster, right? So like you can go down the line: Nick Bosa, obviously Fred Warner, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Javarius Ward, Debo Kittle. I mean, yeah, Debo guys. Kittle. So I think what you have to do is you have to look for the surplus. Like the surplus was the interior defensive line a couple of years ago, right when they trade Buck. So. Where is there a surplus right now? Receiver in a skill position. Here's spot. the here's the thing though. You make that trade, like Veach traded Tyreek, and then he got McDuffie and Karlovskis right away. Right. With you know, with that pick, you yeah. got McDuffie. The Niners made that trade. Tristan Worf's sitting right there. They trade back and they get Kinlaw. So yeah, you could make the trade and the value. You're like, damn, I didn't they got think the, about that. That's they got crazy. the four, they got so they the eighteenth pick for Ayuk. That sounds sweet. And then you gotta make they traded AJ Brown for pick seventeen and they took the dude from Arkansas. Trey Lombard. But if they, yeah. if they take Justin Jefferson, no one's talking about it. Yeah. So when you make the right the pressure on that pick then doubles. Well the pressure's on them to make the picks anyway because they, even do, if, they do the best work in the fourth round. Even yeah, and even if you even if you stick to like so like even if you're you know, like even if you decide we're sticking with the core and we're pushing it forward, you're you're still gonna have to like have a lot of like affordable you talent. Need cheap talent. Yeah. The, and the cheap talents through the draft. And that's yeah. that's where it's gonna come from. And that's again, like that's where the Rams have done great work too in the middle rounds. And like so it's again Kobe Turner, it's it's Byron Young, it's Puka Nakua, it's you know, Steve Avila. It's like going and getting guys that are gonna play important roles for you where you're spending eight hundred grand yeah. instead of seven million. More Brock Purdy's. Yeah. <laughs> Fire the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. A much bigger range than most grills. It's got a full grate sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Utilize the smoke boost setting to intensify that smoky flavor. Direct flame cooking creates searing, crisping, and browning. Food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You'll cook on two levels at the same time so you can make enough for everyone. Then clean up quick with the pull and clean grease and ash management system at the front of the grill. Cook confidently with intuitive digital controls at the grill and enjoy the sleek, easy-to-use surface. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think it's crazy that, like, Coach Reed's here, but McVeigh, Shanahan, McCarthy, Sala, like in, in five more years or half the coaches is not going to show up to this? And why do you think that is? Well, I think it's like they do feel like they get more done at home. Um, I also think, you know what, honestly? Gossip nature? Yeah, I think it's also like, so I, I miss like when this was a little bit more toned down. I do think all of this, like look around, right? Like It's gotten kind of crazy. All There's of a this, radio row at the combine. Yeah, all of this, like I, I just think it's like, I think part of it is like football people pushing back. Like, I don't need to part, be a part of that dog and pony show. If this was just football people, I think they would go. Yeah. I, but it's just, it's, there's so much of it. It's like, why do I want to go there where I'm going to have to do fucking, sorry, seven. No, we fucking say whatever okay, we want. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, we're, well, when I have to spend seven or eight hours doing content, yeah. right? Whether it's a press conference or sitting in a podcast or it's sitting on, like, why do I want to, why, to promote the league? No, I'm going to stay home. That's why I think like the Marvin Harrison decision is so interesting. What was the find out? Because I saw some different reports. Is so, he showing yeah. up? He's going to be here. Okay, he is coming. But he's not doing anything. He's not even gonna, meeting with he'll, he'll, he'll meet. He'll meet with teams. Okay. He'll meet with the media. He's not going to do any of the physical testing. And my understanding is he's not going to do it at his pro day either. And He's going to stand on it. Yeah, and it's, he's just going to he's, – he's, he's, why do I have to run a 40? Why do I have to run a three-cone drill? Why do I have to – and like you think about it and it's like – well, yeah, like he doesn't need to. Like the only thing he can really do is hurt himself, right? Like so, I mean, is, like, he, is he a lock though to be the number so one I wide think receiver? He is. I think he is. I know question. some people like neighbors, some people like a Dunze, and both those guys I think would be top ten in a year. I think both those guys are really good. I, I do think like Marv is Marv is a little different. You're Ohio State guy, so yeah, Marv is a little different. I, but he's not he's not like physically Julio, but his character is his or char- Jamar Chase. His character even. is excellent and. I think he actually like so the Ohio State people would tell you he, he can run like four threes, which if you watch he's a long strider. He's kind of like he's got that like I'm not comparing. Is him the comp his dad? No, the comp was. So the funny thing about him is, and I remember um, I think it was Brian Hartline telling me this: how if you look at his body, he's very low cut, so he has like a really long torso. Yeah. So his legs are like the size of his dad's. So he can move like his dad does. Dad did because he's like he does have a lower center of gravity, but he's got this long torso. So he's like six three, six four. So he can pluck balls. Yeah. Out. So yeah. he he's got this combination of the movement his dad had with size his dad didn't have, and um, yeah, I mean I I think he's going to be excellent. And anyway, so the decision. And most people do. I'm not. Yeah. Saying the, that. the the decision. I think the decision he's making is smart because it's all right. Like so. You know, I'll never forget this. Like, so um, my my first year covering the league, my first full year, I covered the Patriots in 05. I jumped on the beat at the beginning of the regular season. So my first spring was 06. The Patriots drafted this offensive tackle out of, like, Oklahoma State, right? And you know about Dante Scarnecchia. What, yeah, uh, my uncle's roommate back in Taft Junior oh, is College. is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's an MFer. So I have all, a nephew named after named he's Dante. A great, great guy, but he's tough as yeah. all hell. Old school. And... So I remember, like, this, we were in the field house in Foxborough, and I remember this tackle he drafted, like, going over to the corner, spending the second half of practice just puking his guts out, right? 
Dante's like five seven. And we, yeah, <laughs> and we talked to we talked to the kid after, and I remember him saying like, "Oh yeah, like I was I'm not in football shape." Well, what do you mean? Like, well, I've been training for a track meet for the last for I, I was training for a track meet for three months. Then I went on a banquet tour. And what Marvin is basically Marvin's bet is the most beneficial thing to me. Stay ready. Is stay is is, is training for football. Yeah. And so he's working with the Ohio State strength coaches, and like other he's getting staff ready for the there, season. And he's getting ready for his rookie year. So when he gets out there for rookie minicamp, you don't got to get him back in shape. He's ready to roll. And so when the when he jumps in with the vets and OTAs, you want to bet that he's going to like be on the first team like that because he's ready to go. So not a lot of guys have the leverage to do that, but he does, and he's prioritizing his rookie year over where he's going to get picked because where he's going to get picked, there isn't a lot of variance there. Yeah. And so I do wonder if, like, we see more and more of this because they are business With the top decisions. guys, for sure. Yeah, the top guy. Like, now, not many people have leverage to do it, but... Caleb's not throwing, right? Right. Well, so that was the other thing I was going to bring up. Look at the quarterbacks. So there, there's news out there that there are three quarterbacks that are throwing... And three quarterbacks than art. I'll give you the names, okay? Caleb Williams, J.J. McCarthy, Jaden Daniels, um, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, and Drake May. Which three do you think aren't throwing? Are not? Yeah. Well, uh, Caleb's not. I would say I know Nix and Penix because I saw the headline R. So May and Jaden Daniels not throwing. Right. How'd you get there? Well, most people think they're the top three guys. <laughs> yeah. So like the top three guys, the top three, to the, top, the top three guys have more to lose yeah. by throwing. The next three guys have probably. more I think to that's gain. a little overrated, though. But I mean, you know what like, I'm saying, though. I know, and I do think but agents I, tell them that. But, but but I do think there is an element of. I mean, these have always been business decisions. Is Jaden right? working out? Like, if he's fast, he should run. I, I said that yeah, with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Fast guys run. And these, if Lamar runs a four three, he doesn't go thirty two. No chance. Well, with Lamar, I think with Lamar was a little different. I know. Like, Lamar but you know was what? Like, I don't want to be seen as that. Like, but you know what the, I mean? You yeah. put that number up Jayden, there. Yeah. These coaches are like, holy. I don't know right, what Jaden right. would run. I mean, but he runs four I've four eight. Four four. Yeah. Like I think like what I'd heard from teams was he was in the four four. It's good, which is great. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe he should. And maybe he should run at LSU. Maybe he shouldn't run here. Maybe he should run at LSU. I, I just think like all these guys, and I'm again like I'm not arguing what's right for each individual guy. What I do think is like in, inarguable is that these guys increasingly are approaching these things as business decisions, for sure, as they should. And it's different now, I think, because these guys are able to make business decisions when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. So it's not like they get draft dropped into the draft process in January. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my God, what do I do? Yeah. You know what I mean? They've been through. They they've had to nil. Make, and they've had to make business decisions already, and because of that, they're probably viewing their career as a commodity more than guys five or ten years ago were. You know, and like you protect that commodity. And how do you protect that commodity best? Okay, well, like I'm gonna look if I'm trying to protect that commodity, I'm gonna look at the cost benefit analysis of running a forty or of doing a three cone drill or of getting on the bench or. And for some guys, the thing that makes the most sense is to go and do those things. For other guys, it isn't. How? What? what what's Marvin's floor? Five in the draft? Yeah, yeah I would say seven or eight, just because quarterbacks and some other positions. Right. Maybe an offensive line. You know, there's a there, another position could push him down. And if a wide receiver goes above but him, if, yeah. But if he were to if he were to like slip on the track here, right? Oh yeah. If he was to yeah. slip on the forty, and like all of a sudden he busts, like like runs four five or something. Oh well, well, what now? And then he get, agree, and then and then he's got to spend the next three weeks training for his pro day because he's got to do it over again, right? Yeah, honestly, it doesn't bother me when those type so guys he, make those yeah, decisions. Yeah, I, I mean, he's just better. Like, and he's and he's setting himself up for his rookie year, yeah. which I think if you are the Cardinals at four, the Chargers at five, whoever's going to take him, you're ecstatic. He's doing that for sure. That means you're going to be able to freaking hit the ground yeah. running with a guy. Okay, I want to get two more things. Yep. I don't want to keep you forever. Because you're a Ohio State guy, you know the Michigan program well, and let's talk about Harbaugh. Yep. You know one of his great advantages is gonna. I mean, he's got 18 fucking guys here, <laughs> which I, I thought that LSU team is one of the greatest teams I've ever seen, and they were sexier because they scored. They had 16 with Burrow. Yep. So 18 sets a record. His advantage for these next couple years of knowing the oh, draft yeah. is gonna be massive. Well, right? it's not just it's not just the guys he had. It's also guys he recruited. That's what I'm saying. The he entire against. country. I mean, I, I mean, the stories of Pete Carroll, and you look at like the first three years Pete Crushed Carroll it. was in was in Seattle was unbelievable. Built a I mean, like, you know, you hear the Richard Sherman story where he recruited him out of was it Compton? 
out of Long Beach Poly, right? I think uh, I think it was or I don't know if he went, went to high school. He's from Compton. I don't know right, where he went right, to high school. Right. So either way, like they but Pete Carroll like knew the kid's background back and forth. Yeah. Knew hundred percent of it. So he gets him in the fifth round. Um, you know, like he And they both had mutual hatred I mean, for if you, Jim. If you remember, like Taylor Mays was coming out that first year. He drafted Earl Thomas in front of him. Why? Because he knows. Yeah. Like he knows. And he coached against Earl. Maybe he didn't coach against Earl Thomas. That was probably too far back. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but I'm sure he crossed paths with him at some point, you know? And so, yeah, like that institutional. Training for Marshawn. He played against him in the Pac-12. Yeah, all that, all that institutional knowledge was really freaking valuable. I'd say, like, I think Jim Harbaugh had that in San Francisco, too, to some degree. For sure. You know, like some of the guys they drafted there, so... Um, the combination of Jim Harbaugh and then Joe Ortiz, who I don't know how well you know Joe, but I, Joe, I just met him today. Yeah, so like ball guy, room for him. He is phenomenal. Like kind of like old school scout, like a scout scout. You know how often are the Ravens guys not good? And I think he's gonna and he's gonna mesh so well because he he worked with John and he built a relationship with Jim going on school calls there. So um, I think the Chargers could be real. I mean, like I think Greg Roman hit the nail on the head. Um, where he said something like, it was something along the lines of, like, can you imagine Justin Herbert with a great running game? And imagine if Justin Herbert's in second and five and third and two constantly. I know they got cap issues, but could you see them sniffing around Jacobs or Saquon Barkley, and, or they're not going to pay? I don't know. That'd be fun, just because if you, you look at, like, what Jim was able to do for Frank Gore. Oh, my God. And, like, that was, and Frank was deep into his career. I think Frank was in his, like, seventh year or something at that I point. I actually think Jim would like Josh more than Saquon. Yeah, Josh a little more physical. Yeah, you know, blocks. Josh Jacobs would be a great. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think but you got to pay. I mean, ten yeah. plus million. I mean, Derrick Henry. That'd be fun too. <laughs> well, if you get him cheap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how much so, is someone gonna pay him? So, I mean, like that's the one thing is like there's not. This isn't a great running back draft. Like I, I've heard some people think that um, Trey Benson at 230 pounds is gonna run real fast. So maybe he's one. I Corum's a good back. Couldn't maybe, Jim just draft him in the third? It, Quorum, yeah. 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 I mean, Jim could draft Quorum. He knows exactly what he's getting. Like, absolutely. Now, I mean, I don't think Blake Quorum is a breakaway guy, but could he be like Travis Henry for you? Probably, right? So, I mean, I think Jim's got good options there. And the great thing about it for them is they don't have. They don't have a lot of gaping holes. You know what I mean? But are they gonna trade like a a Bosa or one of those type guys? Um, maybe. They do have some cap issues. So I mean, I think Bosa stays and Matt goes would be my guess right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Joey's obviously had the injury issues, which yeah. you know we'll see where that where that goes. But he's expensive, and he's expensive, right? But they, I mean, like, I think they're in a really good spot where they don't have to. I don't know. If there's something on their roster where they're saying, "Yep, we have to go get that right now," yeah. and that's a good place to be. Okay, last but not least, it's fucking nuts that Belichick's out of the league. Yeah, like it really is. I mean, yeah. well, I, I saw I you tweeting a, about the dynasty I, thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a poor commentary. Have you, have you talked to him? You, um, I, you know yeah, people that did know. Yeah, him? no, like I mean, I, 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 think, I, I think I have I mean, an idea of like where he's at a little bit. Like I, I think it's more. I think he's a little miffed as he should be. How would he not be? And I think it's a poor commentary in the league, and I think it actually ties. Imagine it. like Pat Riley or someone just like you don't get so, a job. So Are John, this is gonna sound so stupid, but I think there's an element of like the owners want it to be fun to go to work, <laughs> and. I don't want it to be. I don't. I don't want this to be a miserable place. And I think that's why Mike Vrabel got fired in Tennessee. One hundred percent. I think that's why Vrabel had trouble getting another job. And you can ask Vrabel's players if they liked playing for him. They all did, right? But it. But like, it was a high pressure environment. It can be tense at times. That this is that that was the culture, and it works. And it's worked in football since the freaking. He won laces. playoff games with Tannehill. And it's worked in football since it's worked in football since the laces first went on the ball. You know, so like, and I think it's the same thing with Belichick. It's like, well, like, do we really want to do that? And like, and then you know, I the Atlanta specific to the Atlanta thing. It's like, like self preservation on the part of some people. And I think Atlanta did great to get Raheem. Like, yeah. well, R- 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 Raheem is a home run hire for them. But when it comes to like, kind of like. The different hands in the pot, I think, is sort of reflective of what's happening with some of these guys, which is like people protecting their own hide, and then it's always been that in the NFL. Yeah, and then and then there's like an element of there's an element of like I want this to be like a fun, positive place to come to work. Like, 
I don't know if I'd describe like San Francisco that way. I would not. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they win. Well, just because Andy smiles, ask those guys how long they work. Oh, six yeah. Six days a week. No, Andy Randy runs probably the toughest training camp in the league. Andy and John I don't mean Harper. player. I mean coaches. Like, you're there a long yeah. time. It's not easy. Right. Might, he might not be a yeller and a screamer, but it's intense. Right. So This is not a, this is not a lovey-dovey sport. And I think that's what – and I think that that's – someone's going to hire – I mean, that was why. Are I you think, sure? Honestly, Do you think he gets hired? Honestly, I think. I think that's. I, I honestly think that that's a big reason why Jim Harbaugh had trouble getting back in. Why it took well, yeah. him. You know what I mean? Like was because people looked at what happened at the end of San he Francisco. He was a legitimate kind of crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah. Bills. Yeah. Bills like. I don't know. He. Just, I mean, I, was he just obsessed with picking the players too? You think was that part of it? I. I think. Well, yeah. I think part of it was. So, like Rich McKay and all those guys in Atlanta. I think a part of it was. Well, if you bring him in, you're going to have to do things his way, and you're going to probably have to blow up parts of your building in, for what, for two or three years? Yeah. And I think that that's sort of what it is. It's like if it's – do I, I, I like Bill as a coach. Is he willing – and it was interesting because I did some background. So like a really smart TV producer I work with in Boston asked me in November, he's like, just check out the market for Bill. Like, tell me what you, what you can find. And so I started asking around, and – to get um, Belichick on the post game in 2024, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just just sort of checked out, like, hey, like you know, like what what would his market be in January, like if he was free, which he wound up being free. And what a lot of people came back to me with was, I could see him being like an executive vice president, like the Parcells in Miami, Coughlin the second time in Jacksonville, like that football Holmgren, czar, Cleveland, the football czar role. Yeah. Like, could see a team hiring him as that. I could see a team hiring him as just the coach, but. I can't see anybody throwing him the keys the way he had the keys in New England. And that was sort of interesting because it was like, I don't think he was insistent on that in Atlanta, but there was a perception that that's what he would need. And so then it becomes, okay, well, we're going to blow this whole thing up and build it around Bill, and then is he going to be gone in two years? And I think that that sort of was the problem. Well, now he's a year older. I thought he should go to Amazon. I think Amazon should be all over him. <laughs> we saw him on game day. He'd be great. He's good, yeah. You put him with Al. When, now- he's, engaged, when he's engaged, he's really good. But also to get the all the owners watch that game beside two, and yeah. it would change the perception about being this well, angry he's so curmudgeon. Smart, and yeah. he's so he's. But he, I don't think he's going to do that. How's he going to? Do you think he's a lock to be hired next year? I don't. I mean, I would have said I thought it'd be really hard for me to envision him not same a job offer this year, and he didn't. Which is again like the resume is. The last five years didn't go very well, but I feel like a lot of his former players are pissed. They're offended by the yeah. way people are talking about. Yeah, Bill. I mean the truth is, 80 percent of the hires don't work. No. So would you rather take a swing on a guy who's never been a head coach before, who might be thirty-eight years old, or would you want to give a couple? Want to see what you could do over two years or three years with Bill freaking Belichick? You I know, agree. like so. I I just think I just think that there's um, again, like I think there's all these different factors that play into it, and I think it's. It's really, it's really, I feel the same way about Vrabel not having a job. Like, it's really a poor reflection on the NFL. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, I talked to Howie really briefly. I do think all next year the pressure on the Eagles and the Cowboys yeah. is going to be insane. Like, yep. there's pressure on the Niners to win, but no one's getting fired. Yeah, and it's those, those two coaches. Too. It's the, those markets. One guy's too. on his last year, and the other guy barely held on I mean, for dear life. The way the. Wouldn't Bill one of those two the, spots? The, the way the narrative flipped in Philly the last six weeks. I mean, it's insane. They went from the model franchise, maybe not just in the NFL, maybe in, like, one of the model franchises in all of sports to let's fire, like, our staff. I mean, it, it, it flipped that quick. I thought he was going to get fired. I mean, trust me, I, w- I was in Philly a lot, like, at the end of Andy Reid, and it was the environment there at the end was freaking insane. Yeah, it was, it was, ang- like, it was angry. It was, it was and I, I, have, I gained so much respect for Andy watching him sit up there and take – hit after hit like people like like more or less just asking him flat out like are you getting fired i know um so yeah i mean and dallas is dallas and dallas is like the only dallas is the only true national team you know what i mean like truly like you know so i think yeah i think there's a lot of pressure on both of those guys i'm just get you out of here on this quick one big like a tag and trade uh chris jones you have a, you know we've seen a lot of yeah, trades. I mean, I, you I, have we, a big we, prediction we coming up with next. Iuke. We went with Ayuk, which I think is a fair one to look at. Um, you know, T. Higgins and Brian Burns would be the two, um, just because of the price tag. And I think Burns. So there's a lot of water under the bridge there. Um, Why didn't they trade him last year to the Bears and, and I, keep I, DJ Moore? I was so I, stupid. I know, and they have they have like, 
And so, like, I think they were very, very far, far apart. Now, they'll have a new guy neg- negotiating in yeah. Brant Tillis. They have a new general manager in Dan Morgan, but Dan Morgan was, was there. there. Yeah. So, are they willing to go, especially with the cap rising, his cap number, his tag number will be higher, and... Obviously, if you're Todd France's agent, you're going to ask for that percentage more than you are already asking for. Good call. Right? I, I just see it's hard for me to see the agreement now. Maybe they come to it, and maybe David Tepper puts his foot down and says, we need some, we need, we need some good, good vibes here and good <laughs> players. and Yeah, so that'd be one. And then T. Higgins is fascinating to me because if you, whatever you pay T. Higgins becomes the floor for Jamar Chase. You're already giving Joe Burrow $55 million a year. Let's say T comes in at 28 and Jamar comes in at 30. Or a lot of money 32. for two guys. So now you're up to like, say, 60 between the two of them, right? So 60 plus 55 is $115 million average per year on three guys who are all involved in the same phase of the game, right? They're all in the passing game. Can you do that? Probably or, not. Or... You look at it and say, "We're going to sign Jamar Chase. We're going to tag T. Higgins. We're going to get a back, get a pick back for T. Higgins, and maybe we're going to draft. I don't know. Like I have to look deeper at the receiver class, but we're going to draft A.D. Mitchell out of Texas in the first, in the, at the end of the first round with a pick we get back for him. Or maybe you can go higher than that. Maybe you can, you know, get a middle of the first round pick and then package it to go up and get Roma Dunze. You know, yeah. and then you have that guy under cost control, and that's the guy playing opposite Chase." It's an interesting dynamic because they have two guys who I think it's rare to have like two guys who legitimately could be number ones, but Jamar Chase is very clearly a number one. Big time. And I think if you put Higgins on a team where he was the top receiver, he would show that he can be a number Him one. Him and Ayuk are a lot like it. Okay, yeah. last one. The two running backs, big controversy last year. They're all bitching and moaning. They're not going to get tagged. I mean, what are they going to get paid? Yeah, I made this comment. I made this like. I think Jacobs is better than Saquon. I, I mean, I, I have sympathy for those guys because it does suck, and those guys take a bigger beating than anybody else. But, like, Saquon is going into year seven. I mean, I I, they, I don't know. Like, feels when, like if you pulled the when, average fan, they'd say, like, year four. When the Giants were – when the Giants were – when the and, the and he has a long his, injury history. When the Giants were negotiating with him last year, I, I made the comment, and I – you know, I'm, I'm, it's nothing against Saquon, but if I'm Saquon, I was like – I remember saying, like, I would take that right up to July 15th and then just get them to make the best offer and freaking take it. Yeah. Because you do not know at that position. Anything can go at any time. And I questioned how marketable he was going to be going into year seven with the injury history, with the wear and tear, um, if he waited a year. Now, we'll see. Like, he made it out relatively healthy, but he's been so nicked up over the course of his career. You know, and, I mean, Josh Jacobs is dealing with that a little less now, but he's what? He's been banged up. But he's going into year six, I think, because he was nineteen. He was nineteen. He was a nineteenth pick, nineteen pick, and he's got a lot of tread because he they use him a lot. Yeah. So, I it sucks for running backs, but the problem isn't that those guys are so good. It's that it's just too easy to find a good one, and like maybe you can't find a great one. Like you can't find Derrick Henry out there, but you can get good enough at the position in the third or fourth or fifth round, and those guys can be productive right away. I mean. You know, look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs take one in the first round, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Back up to the seventh rounder. He's back up to the seventh rounder. Exactly. So are those guys getting one year $10 million, or are they getting like a multiple-year contract? I mean... Or one of those fake ones. I can't, yeah, I mean, I can't... It's hard for me to see where they're going to get, like, guarantees into... Again, because you have to look at it, like, yeah. if he's getting a guarantee into year two at, like, $10 million a year, well, like, now, with Saquon, you're going into his eighth year. They, got, year, they got three for 30 with, like, 10 guaranteed written all over I mean... It's like Saquon Barkley came into the league three years after Todd Gurley. How long has Todd Gurley been gone? I mean, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I, I, I just, again, like I love Saquon as a player, and by all accounts, he's a great dude and all yeah. of that, and it sucks. But this is why, like, this is why if you go to like the, the recruiting rankings, right? Like the, the, the high school recruiting rankings. Yeah. And you take a hard look and you see why are there 35 receivers in the top 200? Yeah. It's because that's where the best athletes are playing. For sure. And I think that that's a part. There's a much longer conversation we can have about football and where it's gone and everything else. Like, you know, Odell Beckham, would he be a running back? Would he be, Would he have been Marshall Falk 25 years ago? Maybe, right? Like in, Debo? Yeah. 
I mean, there's all of these, I think there are all these decisions that are being made earlier in life with these guys where it's like, you know, maybe you don't have the same athletes playing those positions too. I mean, corner is a fascinating one to me. I don't know if you've noticed this, but how many kids of players wind up playing corner? It's insane. Right? So they tell like, them. It's, it's the grandson of Dar- uh, Daryl Stingley. Derek Stingley plays for the Texans. Asante Samuel Jr., Pat Sertan, um, all these guys. Porter. Yeah, I mean, Joey Porter. Sertan. Well, why, well, why is that? Why is that? Well, that's because they look at it and they say, oh, my God, look how many kids there are that are 6'1", 190, that are playing receiver, that are freaking incredible athletes. But there are only like four of those playing corner. And those pay so, a premium. So go play corner. So these sorts of, we, 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 we talked about the business decisions, like these are the business decisions. And... If you got a kid who's that level of athlete, do you does he play running back anymore? Yeah. It's not I mean, this isn't the age of Eric Dickerson anymore. No, it's done. Well, Breer, I appreciate your time. Kept you a long time and uh enjoy the combine. Thank you. I'll try. I'll try. It's a I I I'm here through Sunday, so we'll oh, see. Damn. We'll see what I look like. Long then. haul, baby. Yeah. Thanks, bro. The volume. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.